Hey, Vacation Bible School this week couldn't have happened without Jackie. And so, Jackie, thank you so much. You're awesome. We want to say thank you. And I want you to know we're praying that next year we'll be able to have Vacation Bible School here on our campus. And if you are excited about that and want to be a part of helping us start to plan for next year so that we can multiply the experience that the kids had this week, Mark it on your card. Jackie would love to have a team of people to help her next year, and it is going to be awesome. But this year was great, and thank you so much for working hard to bless these parents, serve them, and uh, let's spend some time in prayer. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your work of grace that you would make it possible for us to, to know Jesus and follow Jesus and help kids know and follow Jesus too. And thank you that, Lord, you have made a way for for these kids to experience this week an understanding of what you've done for them. And and we pray that their lives would be forever changed. And Lord, we pray that, that in the years to come, we'd be able to offer many, many, many more kids the opportunity to hear the message about Jesus. Lord, so that homes and families could could be transformed by the power of the gospel. Thank you for raising up Jackie and so many other leaders this week to, to help kids have a great time learning about Jesus. And Lord, thank you that uh, you're faithful to us. Lord, we need you. We come this morning with, with broken bodies and broken relationships and, and needs of, of so many kinds. The Lord... We thank you that whatever we bring to you, you're able to meet us and help us. And Lord, it seems as if in, in our county and in our community, and there's a growing number of people who are experiencing the effects of COVID, we pray that, that you would be faithful to heal and protect. And, and Lord, we pray for our partners around the world. We, we pray for Ken Tombing and for the church in India that, that, Lord, you'd heal Ken and that you'd help strengthen your church uh, in India in the face of this pandemic. And, Lord, we know the plans you have for us are plans not to harm us but to be for our good. So we pray that you would help us as we open your word this morning to take comfort in your word, to find in a fresh way, the, the truth of the gospel, and uh, Lord, to have joy and hope and believing uh, in the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you say just thank you to Jackie one more time? Now listen, my name's Dave, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I serve as the campus pastor here on our World Golf Village campus, and I know many of you are new, and so listen, if if you've been coming to Good News for a while, or, or if you're brand new to Good News, and you're interested in maybe grabbing lunch with me or a cup of coffee, and, and, and let me hear your story, and, and let me share with you what Good News is all about, I would love to do that. And there's a place on the connecting card and the seat backs in front of you. If you grab that card and just mark, I want to have lunch with the pastor, and put it in one of the boxes in the back of the auditorium as you leave, I'd love to, to set up a time to get together with you. We're studying the book of 1 Peter, and we're coming to chapter 3 this morning, and we're studying the book of 1 Peter because we need to be equipped with God's Word to know how to live in the midst of a culture that's becoming increasingly hostile to our faith. 
And I believe that the Word of God has answers for us and has encouragement for us that we would know how to live as followers of Christ in a world that's increasingly hostile to us. Now, we're going to keep going all the way through 1 Peter this year, and then guess what happens after we study 1 Peter? 2 Peter. Okay, which is so creative. So we go 1 Peter, then we're going to study 2 Peter, and we're going to do that the rest of this year. But we come to chapter 3 this week, and so I'm going to read verses 1 through 12 of chapter 3 and invite you to follow along in your copies of the Bible or on the screens behind me. In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. As they observe your chaste and respectful behavior, your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or, or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a quiet, a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead, for you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life to love and see good, de good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are to the, toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This is God's word. In uh, World War II, there was an American-born uh, British member of parliament. Her name was Lady Astor. And the Prime Minister of Great Britain during World War II was Winston Churchill. And Winston Churchill and Lady Astor had a horrible relationship. They couldn't stand each other. And there was one time when Lady Astor said to Winston Churchill, Winston, if you were my husband, I would poison your coffee. Winston Churchill said, Madam... If I was your husband, I'd drink it. <laughs> now, I believe that through Jesus, 
we can have better relationships than Winston Churchill and Lady Astor had. In fact, if you'll stay with this morning and you'll pay attention, then I promise you that your relationship with your spouse or your relationship with your friends can be better than Lady Astor. You say, well, that's not a very high bar. You're right. But here's another story. I believe that the grace of God in Jesus can do this. There was a husband and wife, and they were having a terrible time in their relationship. They were bickering. They were fighting all the time. They couldn't get along, and so they came up with an idea. Let's write down all the things that we wish were different about the other person. So they each got a piece of paper, and they started writing. And the wife had written down a few things on her piece of paper. She looked over and she saw that the husband was just feverishly filling out his pad of paper. I mean, he was writing and writing and writing. So she said, well, two can play at this game. So she started writing. And she thought of everything that she wished was different about him. When they had finally finished, she shared her list. And she folded her arms and she said, well, I guess you're going to tell me what's on your list now, aren't you? He turned and showed her his list. I love you. 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 Listen, when I read a passage like I just read to you, Wives, be submissive to your husbands. Husbands, honor your wives as, as someone who's weaker. I, I, I understand. Our flesh just naturally bristles against things that, where we see in the Word of God, things that just sort of rub us like sandpaper. And I know that there is an accuser who would love nothing better than to say, see, you haven't done that, and you haven't done that, and you haven't done that, and you haven't done that. And what I want you to hear this morning, oh, what I want you to hear this morning is the voice of the Father saying to you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And you can hear the voice of the Father saying that to you because of what Jesus Christ has done. So listen, don't let your accuser, don't let your flesh bristle at what the Word of God says because Jesus models for us healthy relationships and He longs for us to experience healthy relationships through the truth of the gospel. Not through obedience to the law, obedience to to the scriptures, but through his obedience for us. And when that happens, oh, when that happens, when the grace of God moves into our lives, then we will begin to see 1 Peter 3 and all the other commands of the New Testament and the Old Testament not as something that stands against us, but as that which is our delight. Because we have seen 
in the gospel, something that has captured our hearts. Jesus is our model for healthy relationships. In fact, let me read one verse from the Gospel of Luke that describes the only perfect man and how he related to people. In Luke 2, verse 52, it says this, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and men. Jesus is our model for healthy relationships, and and Jesus related perfectly to all sorts of people. Jesus related to wealthy people and to poor people. He related to old people and to children. Jesus related to people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. He, He interacted with people who were Jewish like him and those who were foreigners. Jesus lived in a foreign country for a good portion of his life in Egypt, and he learned to relate well to people. Jesus models healthy relationships with other people. Jesus models the only perfect relationship to God. For all eternity past, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit had lived together in perfect community. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were equal, are equal in power and glory. But to save us, God the Son was willing to take on flesh, take on our humanity, and as a man, fully God and fully man, Jesus Christ was willing to obey the Father in every respect, in all the ways that we're called to obey God but fail to. Jesus did obey God. In fact, his his greatest desire was to please the Father, to show the world the greatness and glory of the Father through his obedience. So Jesus would come to the end of his life and he would pray in the garden, Father, not my will, but yours be done. That wasn't the end of his life. That was the story of his life. To obey the Father's will in every respect. Jesus models a perfect relationship with all sorts of people. Jesus models a perfect relationship to God. And Jesus says, when when I come into your life, when I move into your life, I want to give you supernatural power to experience substantial healing in your relationships so that you can experience reconciliation and forgiveness. And you can begin to experience healthy relationships modeled after the kind of relationships that I had with people and with my father. Now, for us to understand that, I want us to look at three things this morning about the healthy relationships Jesus wants us to have. I want us to see the foundation of healthy relationships. I want to see the formation of healthy relationships. And I want us to see the fruit of healthy relationships. The foundation of healthy relationships, where does it start? 
the formation of healthy relationships, how do they grow? And the fruit of healthy relationships, what do they produce? So let's look at the foundation. The foundation of healthy relationships, look at verse 7. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Don't bury the lead. The lead of this verse, the lead of this story is that we are all in Christ heirs of the grace of life. Don't get hung up on anything other than what would have amazed the people who read this verse the first time. The people who read this verse the first time, they would have not gotten bent out of shape. They would not have been surprised by the fact that there's a distinction between male and female. What would have blown them away and what should blow us away is the foundation of healthy relationships rests in the fact that anyone, rich, poor, old, young, male, female, anyone who puts their trust in Christ is made an heir of grace. You're declared a son or daughter of God, and you're given the full rights and privileges that come with being a son of God. There's no second class in the kingdom of God. There's no second level in the family of God. Everyone builds their life in Christ on grace. That means you don't deserve it and you can't earn it. It's yours through grace. Now, let me show you how strong a foundation you have. And it's not in you. It's in Jesus. So look at verse 10. The one who desires life to love and see good deeds must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. If the Bible taught salvation by works, every single one of us would be in big trouble. But these verses teach salvation by grace. The grace of life has come into the world in the person of Jesus. And Jesus Christ is the only one who ever kept the commandments of God perfectly. The eyes of the Lord were toward Jesus and for Jesus. The face of the Lord was not against Jesus until on the cross, Jesus Christ took our sin upon himself. 
And on the cross, Jesus, as our sin bearer, took our place and as our substitute paid the full and awful penalty that our sin deserved. The eyes of the Lord were against him because he had taken all the evil that I had committed and all the evil that each one of us had committed and he had laid it on Jesus and Jesus Christ on the cross Jesus Christ on the cross saw the full wrath of God against sin. And the only reason that you and I can have hope that the eyes of the Lord are toward us for our good is because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. The foundation of healthy relationships is not trying harder. The foundation of healthy relationships is the grace of God found in Jesus Christ. That he was willing to take upon himself our sin so that what he had merited, perfect righteousness, could become ours. And because of that perfect righteousness credited to our account, If you were to catch the eye of God on the throne of grace right now, if you were to make eye contact with him, his expression toward you would be one of love and approval and grace. He is for you. He's not against you. How can I know that that's true? I can know it's true because it's not based on what you've done, but because of what Christ has done for you. You're an heir of grace. That's the foundation. How can I honor and submit? How can we Take what Jesus has said is really life and take it into our life because he's done it for us. He has submitted for us. He's extended honor to us. That's the foundation. That's the foundation. Now, how does it get into our life? How is it formed in us? Well, it starts when we believe the gospel. It starts when we admit our need of Christ and believe that Christ has done everything necessary to make us beautiful to God and to others. And we commit, Jesus, you're wiser than I am. I'll go your way. That's where it starts. But how is this life of grace formed in us? What's the formation of healthy relationships? The foundation is grace. The formation is that grace flows downhill. Look at verse 8. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Verse 9, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for this very purpose so that you might inherit a blessing. Grace flows downhill. In a marriage, 
when a husband and wife seek to outdo one another in love, in sacrifice, in servanthood. Grace flows downhill in a friendship. When friends seek to outdo one another in love, grace flows downhill to the low points. In a church, when a church seeks to outdo one another in love, in sacrificial giving, in service, grace flows downhill. Grace flows downhill. Grace moves from the inside out. Grace moves from the inside out. Look at verse 4. Let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. Grace flows from the inside out. It's not an outward performance, but an inward disposition of the heart, a heart that has experienced grace. A heart that has experienced the kindness of Jesus. It flows downhill. It works from the inside out. And it's formed through our close relationship to God. Verse 4. Did you know that it's possible for you to believe that because of what Jesus Christ has done, you are precious in the sight of God? You're his treasure. You're important to him. He loves you because of what Jesus Christ has done. It was for love that God the Father sent the Son, and it was for love that the Son was willing to give himself for you, and it was for love that the Holy Spirit has been given. Oh, you're precious in the sight of God. You can't get any closer to him. When I grow in my understanding of who I am in Christ, when I begin to live out of that closeness with God, I begin to do things like is described in verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she's a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, I have full access to the throne of grace in prayer. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I hear feet running through the house. Someone jumps up on the bed and says, Daddy, get me a cup of water. What do I do? I get out of bed and I get a cup of water because they're my child. God says, you have access to my throne of grace because of what Jesus Christ has done. It is unparalleled access through prayer. Now, it was 30 years ago that I heard this illustration at an FCA meeting. It was an FCA retreat. And this man was talking about relationships, and he drew a triangle, and he put at the top of the triangle... God. And he said, in any relationship, whether it's the relationship of a husband and a wife 
or a relationship between friends, the secret to growing closer to one another is growing closer to God. That as we grow along this access towards God, if we understand the gospel, we understand the access that we have, that we're precious in his sight, that we have access to the throne through prayer, we grow closer to God, and as we experience that closeness with God, we get closer to one another. That illustration has stayed with me all these years. And it says, listen, make it your priority. Husbands, make it your priority to pursue your relationship to God first. Wives, make it your ambition to pursue your relationship with God. It, you have access. You have closeness. So experience it. Draw from the work of Jesus for you. And as you each draw closer to God, you'll draw closer to one another. You say, well, you don't know. Well, you're right. <laughs> I don't. Oh, but I know Jesus. I know how willing Jesus is to give us access, and I know the greatness of the righteousness of Jesus credited to our account that we could be called heirs. So draw from his life. Draw from his grace. Draw from him and seek closeness to him. Jesus models healthy relationships. The foundation, grace. The formation, grace flowing down to the low places. Grace working from the inside out. Grace giving us an experience of this closeness with God through what Jesus has done. That's how it's formed. How, what is the fruit? What is the fruit? Look at verse 1. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them is, are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. When we live out grace, when we live out of what Jesus has done for us, not to earn God's approval, but because we have God's approval. When we live out grace, people will be one to faith in Christ. Lost spouses will be won over to faith in Christ. Lost friends will be won over to faith in Christ. When we live lives devoted to Christ, close to God through Christ, People will be one to faith. The lost will be one. Will be blessed. Verse 9. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead, so that you will be, for you were called for this very purpose, that you might inherit a blessing. You'll receive joy. You'll be blessed. And those in your life will be blessed with you. The lost will be reached, you'll be blessed, and others will be blessed. That's the fruit of a life built upon the foundation of being heirs of the grace of life, where grace is forming us from the inside out as grace flows into our lives. When we take the low place, we take the sinner's place. 
So let me illustrate it this one way. Yesterday uh, was my father-in-law's 91st birthday. That's amazing. 91. Way to go, Bruno. So he's 91 years old. We all, my wife and I flew to North Carolina to see him um, Friday night and sat yesterday for his birthday, and then we flew home uh, last night. I'm not a huge flyer. I don't like to fly particularly. The whole experience is just kind of stressful. The friendly skies, I don't know where they are. I haven't discovered them yet. So I get on the plane, and I'm always stressed out. I'm, I'm just stressed because is my bag going to fit in the overhead compartment? Is there going to be a space? Is everybody else going to take all the room in the overhead compartment? Am I going to, this is the real issue, am I going to look stupid? Well, we get on the plane, and I have my backpack, and I go, I get to our row, and I see there's no room in the overhead compartment. My worst fear is being realized. I'm starting to sweat. And I see that I'm going to have to go a few rows back. I know, first world problem. I have to go a few rows back, and I put my backpack up there, and I think, now I've taken someone else's space. Now I'm that jerk. They're going to get on the plane, and then they're going to know when I have to get my backpack. This is horrible. These are th- this is how I think. You see why I don't like flying. Okay, I sit down. I'm sweating. My wife has known me for 25 years. She says, honey, it's going to be okay. I know. I just, I, I hate, it's flying. It's so stressful. She said, well, what, what would you like? I said, well, I just like my bag to be closer. So she gets up. She walks back. She takes down the bag. She takes the bag. She moves to the row in front of us. She puts the bag in that row. She did it because she knows me, and she loves me, and she's for me, and she was willing to take the low place. You say, well, it wasn't that big a deal. It was to me. It was to me. It showed me that I am loved when I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. In fact, I'm a big mess, but my wife loves me. She serves me. I want to honor her because she has stayed with me all these years. And the reason we've stayed together all these years is because our lives are founded upon grace. And we're experiencing grace, a grace that flows down and works in to come out a grace that has made us sons and daughters of God. And what I want for you this week is I want you to run to Jesus to receive everything you need for life from Him. Listen, it's not just 1 Peter 3, 1 through 12 that's hard. It's the whole Bible is impossible. The whole Bible is impossible without Jesus. So run to Jesus to receive grace and life from Him. Run to Jesus to receive grace and life from His Word. 
Look at verse 10. You see the word for at the beginning of verse 10? For the one who desires life to love and to good days. You see how every verse in there is capitalized? Now, this is the New American Standard translation. And in the New American Standard, the editors, anytime there's an Old Testament verse that's quoted in the New Testament, they're not yelling at us by having it in all caps. They're pointing out the fact that this comes from the Old Testament. It comes from Psalm 34. Here's the principle. The principle is that life flows into us through the Word. Peter knows that the only way for these people to experience the love of Jesus is by giving them the Scripture. So while Peter knows that he's being carried along by the Holy Spirit to give them Scripture, he's, re, he's going to Scripture to encourage them. And the Scripture in Psalm 34 is just one of every page of the Bible that all points us to Jesus. So we run to Jesus to receive life from him in the word. We run to Jesus to receive life from him through prayer, verse 7, so that your prayers will not be hindered. We run to Jesus to hear his word. We run to Jesus to speak to him in prayer. We run to Jesus to receive the Holy Spirit from him. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the desire and the power to live as a follower of Christ. It's the only thing that can give us the desire and the power to live as a follower of Jesus. And Jesus gives us, we receive from Jesus a desire to live for the purpose that he's left for us. And that purpose is that the lost may be one, and others might be blessed, and we might receive a blessing. Oh, the foundation for this life is grace. The formation of this life is by grace. The fruit of this life is lost people one, and others being blessed as we receive a blessing, and the only way for us to do it is through Jesus. So run to him. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, would work in our hearts right now. And just, Lord, just right now, would you tell us an area of our life where, where we need to receive grace from you to pursue a healthier relationship, healthier relationship Maybe it's with a, a spouse or a friend, a family member, a co-worker, a teammate. Holy Spirit, would you show us where we need your help? And Jesus, for some here, maybe today is a day when, when what you're drawing them into is, is the starting line of believing in you for eternal life. And, 
And if that's true of you, if, if you sense Jesus tugging at your heart, drawing you into a relationship with him, won't you just admit to him right now, Jesus, I admit I've sinned against you in many ways and I'm sorry. Jesus, I turn from my life of sin and I trust you for eternal life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. Forgive me all my sin. Give me your righteousness. Come into my life as Savior and Lord. And give me the help I need to follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, I pray for all of us that that we could pursue healthy relationships modeled after the life of Jesus, not because of what we're going to do for him, Oh, but Jesus, what you've done for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you that we could be called heirs of grace. I pray all this in your name.